Today's text is 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, I pray that you would be with us today and with your, send your spirit here, God, uh, to be among us. God, open our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive your word. God, I pray uh, for Reed today. I pray that uh, you would be with him while he shepherds your flock. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We are so glad to have you with us today, and some of you that we haven't seen for a little bit, especially thrilled to have you. Visitors, welcome. So glad to to have you. Wow, it's an important time whenever we get together, isn't it? Don't you just feel that? Uh, It's an opportunity for God to do something powerful, and God is at work, and Uh, May the Lord be with us in the power of his spirit this morning and use this time in his word uh, in the way that he wants to and needs to in each one of our lives. Well, our passage this morning calls us to endurance. Endurance is never fun, and it may not sound very exciting to talk about it, but unless we learn to endure, unless we learn to overcome we will live a life of defeat, or at least a life way below where we should be living. The even greater reason to endure is that God himself promises great privilege and glory to those who do endure. And there is a grave warning for those who defect or turn away from Christ. If we endure, we will also reign with him, but if we deny him, he also will deny us. Endurance means to bear up under a difficult process or situation without quitting, without giving way. It is a willingness to suffer, but it is more than that. It is a willing 
willingness to carry on in suffering. It's a willingness to carry on through suffering. We all do well, or most all of us do well, in encouraging circumstances, but when things fall apart, when things are dark, when things are hardest, that's when we need endurance. And honestly, sometimes we have the feeling that we just can't go on. I do. Uh, my wife can testify. There's been several times throughout my life when I've said during painful things, either work or ministry, I just don't have the stomach for this. I want to quit or I'm done. And I truly felt that way at the time. But endurance is having those feelings and then pressing on. It is putting one foot in front of the other and taking a step and then another step. Hebrews 12.12 said, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. When your hands are hanging down in weariness and your knees are shaking or trembling from how hard things are and you strengthen yourself and go on, that is biblical endurance. When the Hebrew Christians were thrown in prison and their property was confiscated, the author said to them, do not throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance, or what you need now is just endurance. And what we all desperately need is endurance. That's Hebrews 10, 36. Endurance is necessary just to live a normal Christian life. Endurance is necessary to just to live the, the life that we are called to live daily as we follow Jesus Christ. And endurance is also necessary for any work to get done in the church or anywhere in the kingdom of God. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul said to Timothy, and remember Timothy was a minister. I, I picture Timothy as kind of an assistant apostle, and he, and he had assignments to do. He had a ministry to do to the, to the churches that Paul sent him. And so Paul said, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. All right, we are all called to some kind of ministry, and we must endure hardship to fulfill that ministry. We must endure hardship to fulfill whatever God has called us to do, and that includes being a mom, being a dad, being a husband, being a wife, being a member of the body of Christ, a person within the church family. It takes endurance to do and to keep doing whatever God has called you to do in those areas of life. And absolutely nothing can substitute for endurance. And it's a big thing in the Scripture. If you read through the Bible, this thing of, of perseverance or endurance or bearing up under suffering, that's a big theme in the New Testament. Nothing can substitute for endurance. No spiritual gift, no supernatural experiences, no Bible knowledge, nothing can substitute for a deep-seated willingness to keep your hand to the plow, to fight the good fight, to run your race all the way to the finish line. However, although it's not really addressed in this passage, Christian endurance should not 
be merely seen as a matter of toughing things out on your own. Uh, If you remember, and we addressed this here, I addressed it here a couple of weeks ago, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 8, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Join in suffering by the power of God. We carry on through our weariness, we carry on through dry times, through hard times, by trusting God's power to renew our strength and to give us the strength or the grace to handle whatever we are facing. And we, we don't let our feelings of weakness or discouragement stop us. Uh, we, have a, we have a power in us, the power of God in us, that is not limited by our feelings. Most of us go through life feeling that we are completely controlled or limited by how we feel or however we happen to feel in a given morning or a given day or a given night or whatever. We feel like that is the limiting or the controlling factor in our lives and it is not. We are not limited by our feelings. Our feelings are not our source of power and it's a huge mistake to think that they are. David said in one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, my strength and my heart may fail me, but that doesn't matter because God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So we suffer, we endure, we go on, we press on, we, we keep putting one foot in front of the other by the power of God, by drawing upon that power to renew our strength. Well, this whole passage and even the verses that start before what our scripture reading is for this morning, which because of things we we haven't actually taught through yet, Josh was preparing for that and things got kind of turned around, so we're going to come back to them. But this entire passage of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, really verse 1 through 13, it, it is all, of it, all of it is a passage about enduring. It, it's a passage to help us endure. And the scripture says that we must think, and this is so important, we must think a certain way about ourselves in order to be a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, young person, old person, that endures suffering. We must think a certain way about ourselves in order to endure suffering. In verse 3, Paul told Timothy to think of himself as a soldier. Consider yourself a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I love the King James Version here. It says, endure hardness, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. New American Standard says, suffer hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Life in Jesus is a fight, and we must see ourselves as soldiers. That's a part of our identity. It's not not the only thing that we are, but it it is an important part of our identity in Christ. We are soldiers. It's a frame of mind. It's a frame of mind we must have or we need. Paul said, you must see yourself this way. So think of yourself as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and it will change everything about how you live. 
it will help you to soldier on through hard things. But there's more here in this passage to help us, and we're going to go down to verse 8, which is where Brian began reading for us this morning. So next, Paul said, remember Jesus Christ. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Uh, We endure by keeping Jesus Christ at the forefront of our thoughts. The author of Hebrews, which I almost regard as a parallel passage to to this, said, In Hebrews 12, it said, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And talks about how he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy set before him and so forth. That's Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3 and so, so forth. So we're told to endure remembering that Jesus endured. Or we are told to endure by remembering that Jesus endured. He endured hostility. He endured pain. uh, He endured rejection. And he endured the cross. So focusing on Jesus gives endurance for our problems for our trials, for our hardships, for the things that are going on in our life that we just don't like. Whereas, if we don't look to Jesus, if we instead look to ourselves and kind of keep our eyes inward or downward on ourselves, that results in in an unhealthy absorption with our own problems, a super magnification of our own problems and it weakens or even destroys our endurance. It undermines our endurance to look at ourselves. It gives us endurance to keep our eyes on Jesus and the hostility and suffering that he went through. It is so easy for, for, for problems and suffering in our own lives, troubles, and not only even in our own lives, but in the world, maybe even in the church or in even other people's lives, it's so easy for focus on those things to shut down our thoughts of Jesus Christ. And we can get to the point where we're actually going through life or living as though Jesus were not even there or as though he had done nothing for us. Or we can live with a great awareness of Jesus. We can be looking unto Jesus, as the author of Hebrews says. We can remember that He is Lord. We can remember that He loved us. We can, we can remember that He gave up heaven for us. We can remember that He gave up His own life for us, that He suffered and died for us. All of those things, and that will help us endure. But we are not only to, rem- to remember how He suffered. We are to remember that. And the author of Hebrews makes it very clear. But specifically here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, remember Jesus risen from the dead. We remember that we have a risen Savior. Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead and behold now I am alive forevermore. So in our hard things, in our painful things, 
we do not have a dead Savior, but a risen Savior. A close friend of mine many years ago named Phil Price told me about how he traveled to uh, South America with his wife. They were doing some missionary work down there. And he was shocked at all the images, uh, pictures, and crucifixes showing a, a dead and bleeding Christ on the cross. And what was so sad to him was that was how the people thought of him. That's how the people thought of Jesus as a dead Jesus. Their religion as a result was, had a darkness and, and a, a sadness about it because it was, it was all focused on that. But Paul said he wants us to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. So we, in, we endure discouragements. We endure uh, severe trials by remember that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, that he is alive. He is alive and he's with us and interceding for us and he will never ever leave us or forsake us. He's our risen Lord. We also remember Jesus Christ, Paul said, the offspring of David. And I think probably for most of us non-Jewish people, Gentiles, we maybe don't get the full impact of that. But this title emphasizes that Jesus is the promised Messiah and King. He will reign on David's throne forever. Isaiah 9, chapter, or chapter 9, verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So this title, Offspring of David, points to Christ as king, Christ as reigning and ruling. So we are to remember Jesus Christ as ruler and king, and we, are, we endure hardship and suffering knowing that we are associated with the king. We are on the side of the king. We are the ones who are on the right side of history. Christ and those with Christ are the victors. When history is consummated, Christ will reign and we will reign with him. And Paul's going to bring that out specifically a couple of verses later, which we'll get to. Second, we must remember, these are things to help us endure. We must remember that many other believers have suffered and they are suffering and enduring suffering right now. Paul pointed to his own endurance as an example to Timothy. He said, I am suffering for preaching my gospel. And he said, for that, I am bound with chains like a criminal. And so, so Paul appealed to, to Timothy to endure, and he, he just... He, came back to himself and said, Timothy, I want you to endure. And he said, I'm enduring. I want you to share in, in, in suffering hardship like I am. I, I'm bound like a criminal. And he pointed to himself as, as an encouragement, as an example to Timothy. Timothy, uh, you're not the only one. And we're not the only one. 
You're not the only one. I'm not the only one going through hard or difficult things. Uh, go and read the, the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Or just look around you. Many other people are suffering things too. You're, you're, you're not the only one. Um, and it's, it's good, good to, to really deeply consider that and to consider what hardships others are going to. Often we want to quit because we feel sorry for ourselves. And believe me, enough stuff happens that we can justify feeling sorry for ourselves. But when we remember that many others have suffered a lot and many of them are still rejoicing in the Lord, many of them are still walking with God, many of them are still praising God, many of them are still faithfully serving the church family, they're still faithfully serving God's people, that strengthens our heart to go on. And I think we can look at, we can look at the Scripture and, just, and consider the Apostle Paul. I mean, I think just thinking about Paul and what he went through and the suffering he endured and the fact that he was bound in chains like a criminal, even that can just help us to endure and not feel quite so... Uh, Sorry for ourselves in a kind of a self-damaging sort of way. And I think we need the attitude that Paul had when he said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. I mean, what a powerful statement that is. I mean, put that verse on your refrigerator. Or uh, more importantly, put it, put it in your heart. Uh, Paul cared for God's people. He loved God's people, and his great desire was for the well-being and benefit for their ultimate salvation, and he had already decided that he would endure whatever happened to him for the sake of God, those whom God has chosen, for the sake of those whom God has called. And you know what? You can make that decision too. You really can't. You, you, can, you can say, you know what, from, from here on out, I'm going to make a decision that, that I'm going to endure anything, everything, all things for the sake of the elect, for the sake of the saints. And you know what? Believers like that are the pillars of the church. They really are. They endure hard things for the sake of of the church, for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's people, and they, and they keep going on. And uh, let's, let's all enter into that. Paul said that, I believe, as, a, uh, as an example for Timothy to follow, and, and of course, for us to follow as well. All right, third, third encouragement to endure here. We endure because we know the word of God is not stopped by anything that we are going through. Paul said, I am in chains, but the word of God is not chained. I am bound, but the word of God is not bound, I think it says in some versions. And this is a great encouragement to us when we're going through hard things. It's a great encouragement to endure. You or I, we might be out of commission through suffering or through something that we're dealing with, but the gospel message will not be stopped. It will never be stopped. No one can, speak, can stop God from speaking. 
God still speaks, and no one can silence God. No one can silence his word. His word goes forth, and it will not, cannot be stopped. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So we're not discouraged by our suffering. We rejoice that God's word and God's work are going forward and cannot be stopped. Praise his name. Fourth, we endure because of the unspeakable glory set before those who endure. And now we come to this uh, saying, which Paul says this is a trustworthy, reliable saying. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. These are uh, likely the words of an early Christian hymn or creed, and it has both a deep comfort and a severe warning. And I, th- I think it's, it's interesting that both of those are held in, in tension or held together in this hymn or this creed. And both, uh, both of those are things that people need to know. Um, the Christian life is, the Christian message is not only offering a message of comfort and glory. It, it, there's also a, a hard warning against those who would neglect it or reject it. But first, we're going to start out with the glorious part. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. I think Paul is talking, at least part of what he's talking about, I think is the potential of actually dying with Christ, going through something for the sake of Christ that would end in death. And that was not that unusual in the time frame in which Paul was writing. And the most that we can lose in this world is our own life. But even if we would be killed for Christ's sake, we will also live with Him. And ultimately, nothing is really lost through death. Death is gain for the believer, Paul said. And to live with Christ is far better than anything we could experience in this life. Martin Luther famously said, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. And we can boast, you can boast like Luther in the face of loss and death because even if the worst happens, we will live with him forever. And we endure because of that. We press on because of that that glorious promise, that glorious end that we have. But I think Paul also uses dying with Christ as a metaphor for suffering with Christ. In other words, our suffering is a kind of dying with Christ. And you see this uh, prevalent in in Paul's writing, particularly in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul said, I die daily. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 4, he said, "We we are 
and this is a passage that a lot of you know, he said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And then what does he say after that? We are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We carry about in our body the dying of Jesus. So he, he equated being hard-pressed, being struck down, being um, persecuted. He, he, he associated those things with a, with a kind of dying with Christ. So Paul is saying here, at least partially too, that if we share in suffering with Christ, we will share in the life of Christ. Probably everyone here, I, I think, would raise their hand if I ask you if you wanted to experience more of the power of his resurrection in your life. And we really do that through entering into the fellowship of his sufferings. It's through the fellowship of his sufferings that the, that the power of his resurrection life is more manifested and released in us and, and even through us to others. Paul, Paul said this kind of this kind of death or suffering works in me, but life in you. And he, he suffered with Christ so that, the, so that the life of Jesus would be manifested in his mortal body. And some of the most painful things that I've been through in life, uh, I found encouragement in by believing, trusting that through through my kind of death in those things, that the life of Christ would be manifested more powerfully, more evidently uh, through me to other people. Yeah. And it's just the way, it's just the way it works. It, there's, there's a principle in the Christian life. It's, it's uh, I think William Penn said, no cross, no crown, but there's, you know, it's, it's, it's through death to resurrection. It's suffering to life, um, hard things, somehow work in our lives by the, by, the, by the work of the Holy Spirit to produce more power and more life released in us and, and through us, makes us more effective ministers um, to other people. The next line in this hymn is, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. This is a very profound thought, and I think it's something that uh, most of us probably don't think about when we're going through some mess and something that's really hard that we don't like. It, but Paul said, if we endure through this, we will also reign with him. Romans eight seventeen says something very similar. Uh, we suffer with him so that we also, so that we may also be glorified with him. So, glory, Paul said, is the outcome of these agonizing experiences that you're enduring. And the pathway to the throne, the pathway to reigning is, is endurance. It is pressing on through our suffering. If we endure we reign. We endure and we win. We inherit the world. Paul said we'll, we'll judge the angels. Jesus said the one who overcomes I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. 
as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. Pretty amazing verse. It's Revelation 3.21. I know it sounds audacious, but we are destined for the throne. We are destined to overcome. We are destined to reign and rule with Christ. But again, the, the pathway to that is through endurance. If we endure, we will reign with him. So, uh, we're not selling promises of earthly promotion, although believers are often promoted and do well. I'm not saying they don't. But the gospel offers an eternal promotion and glory with Christ. It offers a seat next to Christ on his throne. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it is our hope, it is our hope of this future glory that gives us endurance in suffering now. At least it certainly was for Paul. Romans 8, 18, Paul said, For I do not consider the sufferings of this present time even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's like, I mean, and Paul suffered some pretty big-time stuff. But he says, it's, it's, just, it's just not, yeah, I've gone through a lot. I'm going through a lot, but, it, you know, I'm in prison. I've been beaten, whipped, lashed, you know, all the stuff. But, you know, I don't really even consider that worth comparing with the glory that is coming to me with Christ. Second uh, Corinthians four seventeen. This moment, this light momentary affliction, is pre- preparing us for an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Same, same thought there. That fixing our eyes on this future glory uh, gives us the right perspective about our present suffering, and we need that. Now, then this hymn ends with a warning: If we deny Him, He also will deny us. The heights of glory are ours if we endure, but a terrifying end awaits those who deny Christ, and there is no way to soften this verse. It's right there in black and white. Uh, it, it is Scripture, just as much as the promise of glory is for those who suffer with Christ. There are people, and this is my perspective on this, as I understand it. There are many, there are many people who have prayed a prayer associated themselves with Christians and called themselves Christians and then later they say I'm done I'm done with Christianity Uh, I no longer believe in Christ as the way to God or maybe I don't believe in God at all and they say other things that are the equivalent of denying Christ and Paul said Christ will deny them Um, and with the social media uh, unfortunately, one of the, the things that come across social media is, is people who claimed at one point to be Christians make a, a present-day denial. And I, maybe some of you know, I never heard of this guy before, but uh, 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 recently a Christian singer named uh, Brady Goodwin said in, the, in a video on, that he posted on Facebook, I sent a letter to my church withdrawing my membership and saying that I am denouncing 
my Christian faith that I have believed and professed, proclaimed and defended for the last 30 years of my life. Well, Paul would say that is a problem, a big problem, and it puts someone in a very bad place to say something like that. And I, I, I don't know how people can say that in, in the light of what Paul tells us here in this passage, if we deny him, he also will deny us. I mean, I think the most terrifying words in the scripture are where Jesus said, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, that's, that's bad news, really bad news. And so, um, people, sh- people shouldn't play around with uh, denouncing, uh, defecting uh, from, from Christ. Now, again, my perspective on this is, is with the Apostle John, uh, where he said in 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it might be shown that they all are not of us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Uh, often this phrase, or this part of this verse, is the, is the only the only part of this hymn that people know. Almost everybody's heard that. And sometimes it's taken, and I, I've taken it to mean that if our faith fails for a time, he will still be faithful to us. And that is true. And if we, we all stumble in many ways, the grace of God covers us. For we, he doesn't mark our iniquities against us. We, we get up and go on. If we fall, he remains faithful to us. He'll pick us back up. Psalm 37, 24, when the righteous fall, he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds his hand. Praise the Lord. But actually in the context in, in, in studying this, uh, I think Paul is talking about how we must be faithful and how we must endure. I mean, that's the whole theme of this chapter. We must endure. We must be faithful and trust these things to faithful men. I don't think all of a sudden Paul is saying it doesn't really matter if you're faithful or not. What Paul, I believe, is talking about here is a hardened unbelief. Uh, literally, without faith. And what he is saying is that no matter how many people deny Christ, no matter how many people is, are without faith, that doesn't change God's faithfulness to who he is, or it doesn't change who God is, because God himself cannot change or deny himself. In other words, I think Paul is saying pretty much the same exact thing that he said in Romans 3. What if some are unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be found true, though everyone were a liar. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, can their unfaithfulness cancel or nullify God's faithfulness? Well, no, it can't. And so, God is utterly faithful to His people to give life to those who 
die with Christ, to give life to those who follow Christ and suffer with him, to give glory and a throne, a place on the throne to those who endure with Christ. But he cannot give those things to those who deny him or to those without faith to do that would be to deny himself and God won't do that. And if you have a different thought on the way that verse is interpreted, I'm absolutely fine with that and I've held a little different view on it earlier. But what do we take away from this? From all that we've looked at this morning. Okay, let's focus in on this. What do we take away from from this passage? I, I think three really strong, powerful things. Number one, we are commanded to endure. We're commanded to endure hardship. Like good soldiers. So we are commanded to endure. Second, endurance is serious business. I mean, this is, a, this is a serious passage, right? I mean, I feel that. I feel a, se- a sense of weightiness or, you know, s- soberness of, about it and can just considering this. And, and, I th- and I think we should. I think we should feel that way that, you know, endurance is a big deal. It's, it's, a, it's a serious thing for us to, to consider um, that we are going to endure, that we purpose to endure. And the third thing is that the outcome of enduring is, is glory. And we need to keep that in mind. Okay, there's, there's, you know, like I said at the very beginning of this, endurance is never fun. At least I, don't, I, don't think, I can't think of a time where enduring something hard was, was ever fun for me. Endurance is never fun, but we're to keep in mind that there's this massive weight of glory that is in a sense, accruing to our account in heaven as we go through, through suffering. So, so uh, plan to suffer, prepare to go through hard things. Of course, as I said a couple weeks ago, not everything in life is hard or painful, not at all, but we better be ready when it comes. We better have a heart that's prepared. Um, and the hard things that you go through, the amazing thing here in this passage, the hard things that you go through are, in a sense, uh, training you to reign and rule with Christ. Uh, it's preparing you for glory. And so we cling to that through, uh, through our pain and suffering. Let's pray. Let's stand up.